She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing, say one thing, church. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Amen? Father, we just ask you today to open our hearts and to open our minds. By your Spirit, God, illuminate your living word. And cause it, God, to bring transformation. Lord, let your truth, Lord, let your truth be planted deep within us, Lord, that it might set us free, that it might transform us, Lord, and conform us to the very image of the Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Relationship, church, is the one thing that is needed. Relationship. We're going to talk about relationship today. and You know, the last, the last three weeks we've talked about prayer. And we said that prayer, prayer is all about relationship. That prayer is, is how we relate to God. When you pray, you are relating to God. Now, your relating could just be you telling God all your problems and you never listening to what God has to say. That's not much of a relationship, is it? And the essence of everything we do, I want you to hear this, church. The essence of everything we do is about relationship. Life is about relationship. Everything you do in life really is about relationship in some way or some form. Do you realize that your relationship with food has an effect on your life? It does. Your relationship with your environment has an effect on your life. Your relationship with, with everything in a sense, has an effect on your life. So we need to pay attention to our relationships, how we relate to one another, how we relate to God, how we relate to many things. Relationship is the one thing that is needed. Jesus said one thing is needed. If I do not have relationship with Jesus Christ, I am lost. Do you realize that? If we do not have relationship with Jesus Christ, we're lost. Now, let me tell you what relationship is not. Relationship is not simply having a knowledge about Jesus. You can have knowledge of Jesus. You, you could memorize this book cover to cover. That doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. Do you realize that the Pharisees in Jesus' day knew the Scripture better than anybody here? But they didn't have a relationship. They had a bunch of information. They knew a bunch about things. And they knew a bunch about God. But they did not have a relationship. Because when, when the, the Christ, the Son of God, stood in their midst. When the living word was there. When that which was prophesied by all the law, by all the prophets, by all the writings. Stood in their very midst. They could not see him. They could not recognize him. Why? Not because they didn't know scripture. They knew scripture, but they had no real relationship. 
So relationship is not simply having knowledge about Jesus. Relationship is not telling God all my problems. I can talk to God all day long and tell him everything that's wrong with my life, but if I never listen to what he has to say to me, it's kind of a one-way deal, and that's not much of a relationship, is it? Well, I tell God what's wrong all the time, and I never seem to get an answer. He never seems to answer me. But just telling God your problems really is not, it's not relationship. Relationship is not attending church or even being a member of a church. You can attend church seven days a week. You can become a member of every church you can think of, but that does not mean you have a relationship with God. By the way, there's only one church. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the body of Christ universal. It has no, doesn't make a difference whether it says Christ fellowship on the door, Lutheran, Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostal. It doesn't matter. That doesn't make it anything. It's just a label man gave it. There is only one church, and that is the body of Christ. That is the one church you must be a member of. And the only way to be a member of that church is to what? Is to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if I'm not in relationship with Jesus, I'm lost. So to be in relationship with Christ is to grow in knowing him in the fullest sense of the word. Mary chose to know him. She chose relationship. She felt like that was more important than anything else that was happening at that moment. And Jesus said she chose that good part. So to be in relationship with Christ is to grow in knowing him in the fullest sense of the word. And that, I mean that literally, in the fullest sense of the word. It's not that I will grow to know him because I cannot know him in totality. Because if I can know God in totality... If I can come to a place where I say, okay, now I know, that means I have reduced God to a finite being, and he's not finite, he's infinite. He is eternal. He is the God with no beginning, with no end. He is the Alpha, the Omega. So I will grow in knowing him through all eternity, because in all eternity I will never come to the place where I know him because he has no end. Amen? Amen? He has no end. So I will begin, when I was born again, I came into relationship, and I begin the process of knowing him, and that process is an eternal process. So don't think just because you got all this book memorized, and you know all the doctrines of the church, and you know all the systematic theologies of all the different movements that exist, you know God. You know you have a knowledge of him, but in no way, shape, or form do we know him. We are just knowing him. So strong relationship with Christ has three legs of support. You ever try to sit on a two-legged stool? It's kind of tricky. But a three-legged stool, now you can sit on that. You guys ever build anything? You ever notice that if you build a... You ever, you, ever, you ever been part of a, of a house building? Everybody help with Habitat for Humanity ever notice that, that they'll build those walls on the ground and it's a rectangular shaped wall. Then they'll put that thing up there 
do you know what one of the first things they do? They, they, put, a, they put a board across there to stabilize it. Because if, if they don't put that, that board across there to stabilize it, that wall is going to go like this. But when you put that, that board and you make a what? You make a triangle, basically. Triangles are very strong. You put that triangle and it stabilizes it. There's a three-leg part of relationship I want to talk to you about. We're going to talk about the first leg of that today, and that is discipleship. Strong relationship with Christ has three legs of support. Discipleship is the lifelong process of renewing our mind and conforming to Christ. I say it's lifelong. Why? Because God is infinite and I can spend all life long and I'm not going to come to know him. So don't think you're too old to learn any new tricks. That old saying, can't teach an old dog new tricks, that's a lie from the pit hell. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can always learn something. And it doesn't matter how long we live on this earth. There is, there is something of God that you do not know. And if you will seek him, he will reveal it to you by his spirit. I believe that. So discipleship is the lifelong process of renewing our mind and conforming to Christ. Prayer is the ongoing communion and sharing between God and who? His children. Prayer is the second leg of support in relationship with God that I'm going to talk to you about. And the third is worship. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship, by the way, is not what we do the first 30 minutes of the service here on Sunday morning or Saturday night. Worship is not the entire hour and a half that we spend here, and we call it a worship service. Now, worship is a lifestyle of what? Of adoring and honoring Christ. Your life should communicate adoration and honor for Christ. What your life emits, what your life portrays, what your life shines forth should show adoration and honor for Christ. So we're not saved by our works. We're not righteous because of what we do. But what we do and what we say does make a difference, doesn't it? Because what I say and what I do will either reflect my adoration and honor for Christ or it will not. And if I am in relationship with Jesus Christ, then my life should reflect those things that are consistent with my adoring him and my honoring him. Amen? Without any one of these three legs of support, our relationship becomes weak and you will falter in your walk. It's like trying to sit on a two-legged stool. You may do it for a while, but it'll be a very short while. And, and you can't neglect one of these areas and think that your relationship with God is strong. Now understand, I'm talking to you today as believers. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I don't even know if I believe in God. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out whether I want to even figure out whether there is or whether there isn't a God. There's a lot of people in that situation. But when we come to faith in Christ, when we come to that place... We need to understand first and foremost that what God wants, God, God's not really interested in, in me committing to memorize this Bible. I mean, it's great if you do that, but if you just do it out of some legalistic 
reason or you think you're going to get some kind of favor with God because you see God, I, you know, it's kind of like what we do in children's church and Sunday school. We give prizes to all the little children that memorize their scripture verses. And the ones that don't, we don't give a prize to them. What are you, what are you unknowingly communicating to them? Now, I understand, you know, there's a benefit there of rewarding people. But, but God's not going to give you a prize just because you memorize this book. The prize is being in relationship with him, whether you have the book memorized or not. You probably will never memorize the book. But the question is, are you in relationship with him? Are you? Because that's what's important. Prayer's not, you know, whether I've got the right words and I say it in the right tone of voice and I've got the right formula. Do you do that when you talk to your friends? Do you do that when you talk to your wife or your husband or your sister or your brother or your mother or your father? No, you don't do that. You just talk to them. You communicate with them. God wants you to communicate with him because he wants to communicate with you. Worship's not some form. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. You live your life. Worship is your life before God. Worship happens here. Worship happens out there. Worship happens in your house. Worship happens in your car. Worship happens on your job. Worship happens all the time. Is your lifestyle communicating your adoration? Do you adore God? Do you love God? Do you honor God with your life? Do you stop before you say that thing or do that thing because you realize if I say that or do that, it's not going to be very honoring to God. We can't grow in knowing Christ without all three of these elements available for what? For the work of the Holy Spirit. So you can, you can, you can become real proficient in all three of these areas, but if it's you trying to do it, you're just, you just got a bunch of works going on. And it may look really good on the outside, but the question is, have you given yourself to God? Have you given yourself over to the Holy Spirit? Because it's really the Holy Spirit in you that's going to do the work. It's really the Holy Spirit taking these elements and doing a work of transformation in your life. It's really what this is about. And, and when we talk about these things, when I talk about discipleship or prayer or worship, when I talk about relationship with God. I want you to understand that our relationship with God is to be rooted, it is to be grounded first and foremost in God's love for us. 1 John 4, 19, John wrote this. He said, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Do you realize that we, outside of relationship with Christ, we have no love to give God? Do you realize it's impossible for you to love God outside of relationship with Christ, because God is love. Don't let the world define love for you. Love is not the physical sensation or the emotional sensation that you feel for another person. Love is much deeper than that. The scripture, not, not me, not any man, but the scripture defines love this way. God is love. He who abides in God abides in love, for God is love, John said. So who is love? God is love. And God loved us first. And because he poured his love out upon us, we can now give love back to him. Because God gave his love to me, now I have love to give back to him. 
But before that, I didn't have any love to give. The relationship God has initiated with us, do you realize that God initiated relationship with us when? He did it at creation. He didn't have to create us. He chose to create us. God initiated the creation. And in initiating that creation, he initiated relationship with us. Who terminated the relationship? God or man? Yes, we did. That's right. Yeah, but Pastor Jeff, it was God that put that big angel with the sword that was on fire at the garden and wouldn't let us come back in. Yes, that's exactly right. And for our own good. But it was man's disobedience. It was man's unbelief that terminated the relationship. And God told man exactly what would happen if he chose to pursue his own end and his own desire. And God, true to his word, that's exactly what happened. And it was man who terminated the relationship. But the good news is God initiated relationship again. And he did it at the cross. And at the cross, God threw open the way for man to come back to relationship with him. Do you realize that after the fall of man and before the cross, it was impossible for man to be in relationship with God? Oh, there were men who related to God, but I'm talking about the relationship as God intended it to be in the very beginning, that we would bear the very image of God himself, that God would become his spirit would, would come to live in us, that we would become the dwelling place of God. That was impossible before the cross. And at the cross, God initiated relationship. So the relationship God has initiated with us is initiated out of love, out of God's love for us. He chose to be in relationship with us and we reciprocate in other words we give back that love because God chose to love us and so now this relationship is initiated and reciprocated out of love and what I'm saying is when we talk about being in relationship with God the basis of that relationship must be love if you're in relationship with God, if you're reading your Bible, if you're trying to be a disciple, if you're trying to pray, if you're trying to worship him because you don't want to go to hell one day, and I don't really know that I like God that much, but hell sounds like a lot worse alternative, so I guess I'll just choose God. That's like saying, well, I guess I'll marry you because this person over here is really a loser, you're pretty much a loser too, but they're more of a loser. So I'm going to, how would you like that? No, I don't think so. The relationship we have with God needs to be out of love. Jesus said in John, um, excuse me, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. To love God with everything you have to love him. That is the greatest commandment. Because that's what God has done for us. Do you realize that God has loved us with everything that he has? Do you realize that God did not withhold one thing from us? When he gave the son, he gave everything. 
There was nothing in heaven. There was nothing of creation that was of more value, that was more costly than the Son. And God gave the Son, the Father gave the Son, and the Son willingly gave Himself. He gave it all. He poured out all of His love to us in giving the Son. And He did that so that we could in turn Give our love back to him so that we could be in relationship. So this relationship I'm talking about has got to be rooted and grounded in love. It's what God designed. It's what he desires. Just like you want the people you're in relationship with, you want them to be in relationship with you because they love you. A husband wants his wife to love A wife wants her husband to love her. A mother wants a child to love her. A child wants the mother, the father to love them. God wants you to love him. And he made it possible in loving you. Amen? That's what the scripture says. We love him because he first loved us. So now let me get back to Luke chapter 10 here. And we're going to look at Mary of Bethany. That's why I read this section of scripture we're going to look at Mary here as a model of one in relationship with Jesus. Mary modeled relationship. Mary chose to have relationship with Jesus. And we're going to look at three instances in the scripture. And all three instances record Mary at the feet of Jesus, which I think is kind of interesting. Mary modeled, first of all, discipleship. Now, look at this. Look in verse Look in verse 38. Let me just begin there again. It says, It happened that they went to the certain village. There was a woman named Martha. She welcomed Jesus into her house. Verse 39, look at this. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, at first glance, you might think that is just describing the scene in the house that Mary is literally sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she, she very well may have and probably was sitting at the feet of Jesus. But I want you to understand that this scripture is also communicating something much, much broader and, and much greater here. That term, sit at the feet of, was a Hebraic term that described what a disciple did with their teacher or their rabbi. You read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus was called rabbi. The word rabbi is just the Hebrew word that means teacher. That's all it means, teacher. So when you see the word rabbi in the scripture, you could easily just say teacher. Teacher, rabbi. And the the common Hebraic uh, term there in that culture was if I'm a disciple, and what is a disciple? The word disciple means a learner, or or specifically what it describes is a learned follower. I'm not just a learner, but I'm a learner who applies what is learned. I'm a learned follower. I'm an adherent to. How many of you know you can learn a whole bunch of stuff, but if you don't put it into practice, what good does it do you? And so the point of becoming a disciple of a teacher was to put into practice what the teacher taught you, that you would actually put into practice what you were learning. 
So in Jesus' day, there, you might hear a conversation like this in the marketplace as a bunch of disciples were talking. Who, at whose feet do you sit at? Oh, I sit at the feet of Rabbi Eleazar. Or I sit at the feet of Rabbi Yeshua. Or I sit at the feet of Rabbi Hezekiah or whatever. You know, I sit at the feet of Rabbi Billy. (laughs) You know, (laughs) anybody. (laughs) To sit at the feet of was a sign. It indicated that you were a disciple of that person. This is not just saying that Mary was sitting at his feet while they were having dinner. She, she, she probably was, but, but understand it's communicating something broader and greater than that. What it is saying is that Mary of Bethany was a disciple of Jesus. Look, look at Luke chapter 8. Hold your place there in chapter 10. Let's turn over a couple of chapters. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 It says, now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. You know, the twelve apostles. But look what it says. Don't stop there. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons... And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. It says they went through every city and village preaching, and the twelve were with him and certain women. Do you know what that means? Contrary to popular political correctness today that teaches that the Bible subjugates women, holds women under the thumb, and and, and this is nothing but a document written by a bunch of male chauvinist pigs who didn't want to do anything but, but cause women to be their slaves and take away their rights. Do you understand what the scripture is saying? Now, even today in, in, in Christendom, in the church, we don't like to bring that out because we still want to say, well, you know, women, they can't teach. You know, women, they, they need to be in the house Barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, that's, that's their proper place. They don't need to be out there telling people what to believe about the scriptures. Oh, really? But here it says that Jesus had women who were his disciples that went with him. And it says in Luke chapter 10 that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word, which clearly indicates she was his disciple. And do you realize how radical that was in Jesus' day? I'm telling you what, that was radical. You wonder why Jesus was so unpopular with the religious powers that be? Everything he did violated what they had instituted. You read the writings of the rabbis from Jesus' day. They don't have very kind things to say about you ladies. Matter of fact, many of them thought you, y'all were pretty stupid. I mean, that's just the truth. They recognized the areas where you were good, and they gave you your due and came to matters of the kitchen and cooking, and they would even come and ask your advice and get your, when they were writing their laws. And they said, well, that kitchen, that's the woman's realm, so let's go ask a woman how we should write this law. But when it comes to matters of Scripture, women don't learn Scripture 
Because women aren't deep enough, they're not smart enough. God didn't make them that way. Really, read some of the writings, that's, that's what. And here comes Jesus, and Jesus just blows that whole thing out of the water. And he actually has women who are his bona fide disciples, following him, helping him, sitting at his feet, and he is teaching them the word of God. It was unheard of. Now, I, I want to make this, I said this because I, I, want, I want you to understand what's happening here in this dynamic of the scripture. But having said all of that, this story could be about Mike and Milton. It doesn't have to be about Mary and Martha. Because the point of the story is really not about gender, it's about relationship. It just so happened that Mary was a woman and Jesus didn't discriminate because she was a woman. Because what does Paul write in the New Testament? There is now neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, barbarian nor Scythian, slave nor free. But we are one in who? In Christ. So the point is not about gender, it's about relationship. And God has opened the way for relationship with him he doesn't care whether you're male or female, black or white, or whatever you want to call yourself. But we all come, regardless of where we're coming from and who we are, we all come to him the same way. The cross is the great equalizer. Because at the cross, we all die. At the cross, we all become equal. Rich or poor, it doesn't matter. When we come to the cross, there is no rich nor poor. There is no male nor female. We all become equal. We all are crucified with him. We are all raised with him, and we all become one in him, and we are now part of his body. It is his life, not mine any longer. And so Mary, this disciple, she modeled discipleship. She sat at the feet of Jesus. She heard his word. Mary sat at his feet and heard his word, but what did Martha do? Martha was distracted. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen that one good thing. See, discipleship is about choosing relationship over distraction. What is distracting you today from your relationship with God. Now, we, we don't have time. There's so much that we could talk about here. Don't, don't get a bad attitude toward Martha. You're going to see that Martha came around. That's just who Martha was. It didn't mean that Martha didn't love Jesus. It didn't mean that Martha was sub-spiritual, sub-par of Mary. But it did, it did mean that Martha had some, some wrong attitudes and some wrong things. It wasn't so much that Martha wanted help in the kitchen. Martha said, hey, my sister doesn't have any business being a disciple because she's a woman. She should be in this kitchen helping me, not sitting at the feet of, of the rabbi because that just doesn't happen. That's not kosher. And Jesus said, no, Martha, you're wrong. There is one thing needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. Martha, you need to be in relationship with me just like Mary is. You are welcome to be my disciple. You too can sit at my feet. You're just distracted with the troubles and the worries of life, but Mary has chosen that good part. She has chosen relationship over 
distraction. Mary could have allowed the culture to distract her, but she did not. She chose relationship over distraction. Martha was all about entertaining the guest in her house. Whatever the distraction is, culture, entertainment, it doesn't matter. The question is, are you going to choose relationship over distraction? We cannot allow the worries and the troubles of life to choke out the word. We can't, church, and distract us from the one thing that is needed, and that is knowing Christ. In John 8, turn over there to John chapter 8. Let's look at another instance where Mary of Bethany encounters Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 31. I'm sorry, we're not going to look at another encounter of Mary. We're going to look at another uh, aspect of being a disciple. John 8, 31. Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Discipleship is choosing relationship over distraction. Discipleship is also choosing to abide in, not work for. See, if you're not careful in your quest to become a disciple, you'll begin to work for that position, that title of being a disciple. But Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, if you were to read, and we don't have time, but if you were to read all of John chapter 8, and and it's a good thing to read, you read it in context, you'll see that Jesus is addressing religious people who, who were abiding. They had this word memorized. They knew the word. There was not a lack of the knowledge of the word of God. But just because they knew a lot about the scripture did not mean that they were abiding in the word. Understand what Jesus is saying here. Discipleship is choosing to abide in, not work for. You Abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Turn turn to John 15, 4. In John 15, 4, Jesus says, abide in me. Oh, now wait a minute. Jesus just said, abide in my word. Now he's saying, abide in me. Is is, Is he wavering between two opinions? Is he contradicting himself? Do we abide in the word or do we abide in Jesus? Which one is it? They're all the same, aren't they? See, the, 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 the Pharisees had the letter. Oh, they knew the letter. But they did not abide in the word. Because the word is not just ink on paper. The word is living. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then John says in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory even as the only begotten of the Father. Now abide in me, Jesus says. He is the word. He is the truth. And the truth will make you free. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. He said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Discipleship discipleship is choosing to abide in, not work for. 
You can't work hard enough for God. God doesn't want you to work for him. He wants you to abide in him. Just like a branch doesn't work to produce fruit, a branch simply abides in the vine. And what happens? The life from the vine flows through the branch, and it's the life of the vine that produces the fruit through the branch. Turn over to John, um, excuse me, turn over to Matthew 11. So discipleship is choosing relationship over distraction. It's choosing to abide in, not work for. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Discipleship is choosing to take his yoke. It's choosing to learn from and rest in Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke. You know what a yoke is? Two oxen plowing in the field. They're connected to one another with a yoke and to the plow by the yoke and by the harnesses. But do you know what the word yoke also signifies? It signifies the same thing as sitting at the feet of. The word yoke, the term yoke, was a term that, that indicated discipleship. Whose yoke are you under? I'm under the yoke of Rabbi Yeshua. Whose yoke are you under? I'm under the yoke of Rabbi Saul. I'm under the yoke of Rabbi whoever. Being under the yoke spoke of being a disciple. And Jesus is saying, come and be my disciple. My yoke is easy My burden is light. If you will come and take my yoke, I will deliver you from all of the hardness of this law and of this letter. Why? Because he was the fulfillment of it. Because remember, church, righteousness never has, never will come by keeping the law. The law was never meant to make us righteous. The law was meant to point us to the only one who is Our righteousness, that is Jesus Christ. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come and be my disciple. Learn from me. Sit at my feet, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? Because I have done the work. I have already done the work. It's going to be a completed work, and in my finished work, you will find the rest and the righteousness that you are looking for. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. John says his commandments are not burdensome. What was his commandment? Love. Love one another even as I have loved you, so you should love one another. That's the new commandment Jesus gave. And it has become the greatest commandment because in loving one another as as Christ has loved us, you know what we're doing? We're loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, with all that is within us. So there is one thing that's needed. It's relationship. Discipleship is the first leg of relationship. It's coming to Jesus. It's allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to conform us to the very image of Christ. And Jesus affirmed Mary's choice and said, Mary has chosen the one thing needed. That one thing, that good part will not be taken away from her 
even if she is a woman. That one good part, church, cannot be taken away from you. They can't take your relationship with Jesus away from you. Only you can deny it. Only you can turn your love and affection and attention somewhere else. And God will never stop loving you. And God will never separate himself from you. But the question is, do you love God? His love is not in question. Do you love God? Are you choosing relationship or are you allowing distraction to keep you from that relationship that God desires? We cannot allow even our serving him to become a distraction from knowing him. Martha was serving Jesus and serving Jesus is a good thing. But her serving Jesus became a distraction of her knowing Jesus. And we cannot allow even our serving him to become a distraction from knowing him. Relationship is about knowing him. He calls us into relationship. How? Through faith in Christ. Discipleship. Growing and knowing. It's present tense, continuous, eternal action. You can grow and know him forever. And you'll never come to the end of him. Discipleship is being conformed to Christ in every way. But discipleship is only one leg of this relationship that I'm talking to you about. Along with prayer and worship and discipleship, that's how we have strong relationship. But if you don't have those things, you only have an illusion. See, the Pharisees had an illusion of a relationship with God, but they really had none. Because they didn't recognize God in person. They knew the letter of the word, but they didn't recognize the living word in front of them. Don't let things that have a form of godliness rob you of the reality of your relationship. Don't settle for an illusion. Let us be people committed to choose, growing, communing, and adoring as a lifestyle to build a foundation, a strong foundation of strong relationships.